This is Pulse Check. I'm Carmen Pond. For the rest of this week, we're taking a step back and looking at the forces that shaped healthcare in 2022 and what's ahead in 2023. I sat down with Daniel Payne to talk about the trajectory of the monkeypox outbreak in 2022 and what lessons we can learn from it. From now on, we will be referring to monkeypox as MPOX, as the World Health Organization renamed the virus and the disease to avoid any potential stigmatizing. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Hey, Carmen. Of course. Good to see you again. So you and I this year covered the first MPOX outbreak. This was the first outbreak of this virus um, of this scale outside of the countries where it's endemic, which are mostly Central and Western Africa. How did it start here in the U.S. and what was the most surprising element of this outbreak for you? There have been a few outbreaks before outside of those endemic areas, but definitely nothing comparable to what happened earlier this year. And I think that's what surprised health reporters, specifically, especially scientists, were surprised by how quickly it moved, how far it spread across continents, through countries. And I think it's probably still unknown exactly how it started in the U.S. and, and where where it started. But the speed of the spread and how expansive it was in just a few months was really shocking. And there have been 30,000 cases during the outbreak so far and, and 20 deaths. But the case number has really gone down now. And the Department of Health and Human Services is expected to end the public health emergency for MPOX next month. The other day, I saw the White House COVID-19 coordinator, Dr. Ashish Jha, tweeting about how, while on August 1st, the U.S. was recording 600 cases of MPOX a day, in December, the, the case number was about five per day. You know, how, how did the U.S. manage to get the cases down? Obviously, this hasn't been the case for, for COVID, at least at the beginning. So what happened with MPOX? What worked? No doubt. I, I think in some senses, it's still an open question what worked. Certainly a big part of this was vaccination campaigns and the fact that we had a vaccine that was believed to be effective, ready to go when this started. Uh, that, that made a huge difference and gave us a big jump. Another big difference is just the way that this virus spreads. It doesn't spread as quickly and as easily as COVID did. So it made it a bit easier to get public health messaging out and for that messaging to make a bigger difference in association with, you know, a testing campaign, vaccination campaign. So I think that you'll see a lot of public health officials come out and say that this is how these strategies are supposed to work and we can deal with these diseases. I think that researchers maybe, at least the ones I've talked to in the past, have been a little bit more hesitant to say this was an overwhelming success, that sometimes these outbreaks happen and then they just kind of die down on their own. So I'm sure that there will be a lot of studies going on for a long time to figure out what worked, what didn't work, exactly what impacts these different strategies had from public messaging to vaccination. We'll be right back. I wanted to talk to you also a bit about the global outlook um, of this outbreak, which we both covered, at least in the early days of it. Talking about what worked here in the U.S., I was wondering if, you know, in your reporting, you came across any expert or any evidence about how countries 
where this virus is usually found have anything to learn or there's anything that they could use from how the U.S. went about it to fight this virus? Certainly. I think that is also sort of an open question, even though the the global outbreak has died down a bit uh, compared to its peak earlier this year. One thing that people are reviewing between COVID and MPOX is public health messaging. How do we best get information out that isn't stigmatizing, but also is informing the right population about certain risks that may be associated with different diseases? And how can we message in a way that's actually going to affect behaviors the most efficiently? And I think maybe for the global health community and global health organizations and countries that are looking to increase their biosecurity efforts, you know, they see this as a virus that was of a concern before the outbreak happened. There were health security experts who were saying for a long time, we knew that these orthopox viruses could cause outbreaks and be really concerning for global health. And while there was some preparation, I think a lot of them would say there wasn't enough. There, there wasn't, this wasn't taken seriously enough. And so I think maybe looking back now after years of COVID, after MPOX in the middle of that, global health officials are going to start thinking about how can we strategize to handle these things more proactively to get prepared ahead of time instead of always chasing the latest threat. And Carmen, I know that you've been covering more specifically how these endemic countries have handled this outbreak. What do you think the lessons learned there are? Indeed, they don't look great. Um, it felt like the inequity in vaccine access that we saw in the sort of like early days of the COVID-19 pandemic played out again with this outbreak. And as we speak, countries where the virus is endemic still don't have access to the vaccines that the U.S. and other countries, mostly in the rich world, used in this outbreak. In November, South Korea announced that they were donating uh, 10,000 doses of the vaccine. But other than that, the talks, as far as I'm aware, are still ongoing between, you know, African leaders, the African Union, and the producer of the vaccine. But so far, we haven't heard any news about it. And as we both know, there, there are two clades of this virus. And the one that infected people in the United States and in Europe and some parts of Asia was sort of like the milder one. But there's one that is spreading or has been spreading for a long time in the Democratic Republic of, of the Congo, for example. And that's more deadly. And there have been many deaths there this year that I feel like are not, you know, reported enough. And there's still no access to antivirals, there's still no access to to vaccines for them there. And there's a lot less attention to that than it was during COVID. Um, and I don't feel we, we've seen a sort of like a solution or an answer to that yet. And and it's concerning. There's a lot of talk about equity um, in the US and across the world, but at least in this outbreak, it doesn't look like it's playing out or at least not yet. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, it's always a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to stop by. Sure. Thanks, Carmen. Great to talk. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Carmen Pond. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. 
Thanks for listening.